There's some things in life that people don't realize happen, or people forget about every day. People don't want to realize that they have. People take for granted what they have, what we have. I even do it. This is something that happened, and we all need to realize. This is a Vietnam War. Here's the soldier stories. I knew a man called him Sandy Kane. Few folks even knew his name. But a hero Welcome back to Tracking Our History, a feature of the United States Marine Corps Vietnam Tankers Association. This is episode 18, which will air in two parts. Today is part one. Here's a question for our listening audience. Where do you think the best drivers in the world, bar none, could be found? If you guessed the Brickyard, or Daytona, or Le Mans, while you may be close, you would not be right. The best drivers in the world, ever, were found in Vietnam driving Patton tanks. That is correct, the old M48A3. What can one say about those guys that drive tanks? An M48A3 tank weighs in between 52 and 54 tons. My son Matt once served on a 90,000-ton aircraft carrier. That makes a tank teeny-weeny. But then have you ever seen an aircraft carrier do a neutral steer, going 5 miles an hour or more? And how many men have you seen sitting below a 90-millimeter cannon as it explodes just above the driver's head? Or how about steer through a minefield and never hit a one? And while three of the four man crew all sit elbow to elbow in the turret, the driver sits in a compartment pretty much locked away from the rest of of the crew. In an emergency, the driver cannot get to the turret, nor can anyone from the turret get to the driver. Tank drivers are very special people. The best drivers are snapped up in a heartbeat, and I have actually heard of some very hard feelings when a good driver switches to another tank. In episode two, Driving with Blues, we talked about some of the very best drivers in Vietnam. Blues is definitely one of them. But when a really good driver says the best was Wally Young, then we just had to get Wally on the schedule. So today, we meet the very best, Wally Young. Left boy, come back man. Still many just don't understand. 
about the reasons we are free. I can't forget the look in his eyes or the tears he cried as he said these words to me. All gave some. Some gave all. Some stood through for the red, white, and blue, and some had to fall. And if you ever think of me, think of all your liberties and recall. Good day to you, Wally. Would you introduce yourself to our listening audience, perhaps share how it came about that you joined the Marine Corps, and then a little bit about your early years and arrival in Vietnam? No, no, go ahead. You're t- I just giggled.
basis for a second on uh, once you got to Nam. Okay. How did how did you end up in the driver's compartment? You, you, you've just you've described that you're a great driver, and everybody admits to that. There's no question. No, I, didn't, I didn't describe I was a great driver. Well, I, didn't, I don't I don't think I did that. Somebody else might have. But anyway, uh, I know I was one of the good ones. Yeah. I got over to JJ Carroll. And uh, I hung around. Well, they put me on mess duty pretty quick. And I did that. I don't know how long it was, 15 days, whatever. And went over to seen that man catch on fire and knocked him out. Me and Lance Corporal Lamb. And then that man got blown away. Yeah. And, uh, right beside us. But I hung around there at Carroll from uh time I got up there till, well, it was, Sometime in December, early December, I think, but they sent me out to the rock pile, and I met up with Louis Ryle. He was he was the only man left on that tank, and well, it, it was a different tank because it was Lieutenant's tank, but his crew had all been killed. Oh, gee. And they sent him out there. So when I came in, best of my recollection, I was the first man building up the new crew. Mm-hmm which was Bravo 2-4 at one time, but we were on 2-2, now or 2-1. Oh, okay. Either, either way, I guess to move it, it took him and me. So I, I was driver, and then Dick Carey come on. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then uh, George Cassie. George might have been there. George was a good loader. He was a great loader. Yeah. 
and that that was him and Louie was there when I got there, and then I I joined up with them, and they put me to driving. Okay, that's, that's where I that's where I belong. Okay, well that's but, what that's what I have to I have to tell you that uh, when I was talking with Blues, Blues said that, and uh, I call Blues best driver ever, and he said no 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 no, he said <laughs> Wally was the best driver ever, so. That, uh, that's that's where I got that from, and, and I trust blues. Believe me, I do. So, you are most well, humble. Good. I'm sure we drove together over there, in different places. Yeah. But just very quick, some of the men I met at short time I was there at uh, JJ Carroll. I met Terry Hunter, mm-hmm. Louis Ryle, Jeff Griffith, Terry Bocino, Jack Wilder, Fry, Siva. George Cassick, Harry Christensen, Dale Reed, and Elijah Parson. Huh. Uh, moved out there to the rock pile, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't long. We made a few runs and everything, and uh, to Dong Ha and and uh, Carol and out to Blue. But eventually, not long before before Christmas, that road was shut down. Yeah, and we. We were surrounded. J.J. Carroll at that time had had one or two divisions around it, and Quezon Seeds had just started on it, and they were surrounded. But we were in between now, so we had a little stuff going. When when Contiam was getting uh, 900 rounds a day, and Quezon, we were getting about 300 wow. at the rock pile, but a lot smaller place. So, yeah, it was a little bit hairy out there too. Yeah, but got out there and and uh, supplies got short. And uh, they we actually we got down to one sea ration meal a day for two to three months. Wow. And the only thing coming in was by chopper, and that would be ammo and chow in that priority. Yeah, yeah. Salute. Which you know was nine miles on down the road. We always called that Indian country, mm-hmm. and it was nine miles of bad road. Yeah, yeah. So, and unlike Kate, unlike Caseon, you you didn't have a runway to speak of, so you couldn't oh, yeah. you you couldn't bring in one thirties. No, but they they brought them. You mean where? Yeah, while you were at the rock pile. Oh no, we, you couldn't land nothing there but a chopper. Yeah, yeah. You can land about three. Three choppers, maybe four at one time. I've seen that from Metavax. Okay. And usually supplies they drop in one or two at a time. Yeah. But but we built we built uh, LZ Stud about halfway between the rock pile and Kalou. The CBs did. Right. We had our tanks out there and keep the snipers off of the dozer operator while they built the runway. Oh, okay. Okay. They built that specifically to resupply because it was. They wasn't having too good a luck out there. So they they planned for the C-130 driver uh, pilots Mm -hmm. six six months. They trained to come in there and land without landing. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Drop in there and pop the clutch and roll everything out on the runway or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And take off in 300 yards. Oh, jeez. That's that's hard to believe, but that's how long that runway was, and they would do it. Yeah. But Kalu later turned into uh, Vandergriff, 
combat base. Oh, so okay. Okay. So the, the uh, Kalu, they got short on, they got short on ammo and chow. Oh, they short on everything. So mm-hmm. right, right after Christmas, well, actually, specifically on the 13th of January, mm-hmm. we had already talked. The big wheels have talked about it and said, we're going to have to go. Mm-hmm. When we go, we know they're going to hit us. And when they do, tanks, stay on the road, grunt, get off trucks and get after them. Yeah. Okay. We cut out there one morning, that morning of the 13th of January, 68, mm-hmm. with about 15 vehicles. And we had, best of my knowledge, we had four tanks. Mm-hmm. I was driving the lead tank and, uh, Corporal Yaks was on a flame tank right behind us. And then they had a six by with the H E. Then they had a low boy with small arms and mortars. And then the rest of them had whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. About nine, ten trucks, something like that, and four tanks, I believe. But we we got along there and that that row was elephant grass was high as a tank on both sides. A lot, a long, a lot of places down through there. So it was a dangerous road. We normally recon by fire on the lead tank cover either side of the road or the road, mm-hmm. and fire at random. Uh, recon by fire. We mostly would shoot the fifty. Any place that looked like it might be an ambush site, with the thirty either side of the road, and then the next tank back. Every now and then, they'd bust a ninety. And that elephant grass, uh, mm-hmm. canister round, mm-hmm. 90 millimeter shotgun. <laughs> so that was very effective close to the road. Yeah, yeah. But the mountains, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've been down there. If you've been to oh, yeah. yeah. Where you come up in the mountains, are, and there's two of them, one on the right a little further, and then the one on the left is closer to you when you get to it. But it was pretty tall, and it fingered down long ways out there. Mm-hmm. the left or the south mm-hmm. well that's where they set them up 51 caliber we found out later but what they did is they they come out there and they they didn't really bother us two tanks because they wanted us to get past where we could get that 51 oh. okay and then they they run out there and they hit that low boy and the six by both of them with RPGs, one in the engine compartment, one one in the load, and they killed the driver with small arms, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So we had a real good driver, but I can't remember his name from Carol there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was him that got killed. Mm-hmm. I wish I could remember his name, but I can't. But anyway, uh, they uh, after that, you know, they're, they're yeah, I mean, history says, you know, that the NVA, they were sent in there to stop the supplies on Route 9. Mm-hmm. That's what they intended to do. Yeah. So. Can, we, uh, can I stop you for a second, please? And sure. And back you up and just, can you explain, because a lot of our listening audience may not understand um, recon by fire. And, and if you've, you know, you got to just, if you can just slip a simple explanation in there, that would be great. Sure. Recon by fire, just as you're going along and taking the terrain, any place you see where the enemy might be 
ready to jump on you, then you bust a cap in there, whether it be the 50 caliber machine gun or the 90 millimeter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's recon by fire. Excellent. Thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead. And uh, my biggest mistake, dumbest mistake, I say that I made, as soon as they hit us, we realized we were under under attack, ambush. Louis and uh, Cassick, they nicknamed them. Louis was Squirrel, and Cassick was Frog. Well, Frog and Squirrel, they fired that 90 millimeter covering from about nine o'clock to three o'clock. In other words, a 180. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say four or five rounds. And it, it sounded like a better 90 millimeter machine gun. Mm-hmm. They did it quick. And they hollered, driver, watch the front. Well, I had my pistol. That's all I had. And I didn't have no bullets. <laughs> I didn't have it loaded. <laughs> I didn't have a round in the driver's compartment. And I hollered, didn't have no bullets in the swung the turret around and George Cassick, he was a loader. Mm-hmm. Had him plenty of ammo and from then on I, I had plenty in there. I took <laughs> one of them green socks and filled it up with a big uh-huh. had it hanging right beside me from then on. But anyway yeah. nobody got hurt or nothing happened except, you know, I made a dumb mistake. Yeah. It yeah. could have cost my life or somebody else. Yeah. But went on and and uh, Gunny Rocco was on the tank. Actually, he was soon sergeant, but he was tank commander, and Ryle and me, mm-hmm. and Cassie. That was four of us. Well, when Gunny Rocco, when we got hit, he he jumped off and went up there to talk to the colonel. Well, the colonel, he done, I heard him talking on the radio with a forward observer. Mm-hmm. The artillery was up under that low boy. And the low boy was on fire and ammo was blowing up. He called the colonel and said, I need somebody to come up here and get me out from under the low boy. I'm wounded. I can't move. And barely hear for the racket from the den of the battle going on. Uh-huh. But I heard the colonel, and he was calling in to a 3 9 to get reinforcements to come out there to help us because he said right then that we was 80% casualty. And that was like three or four minutes at the most on the time we got hit. Fifty-one, uh-huh. he just eat him up. Yeah. I looked at it later, and where he was his position, he he had the length of that convoy and just moving that fifty-one three or four inches either way. Yeah, yeah. They followed us. They watched us for for two or three months. They said it was the most well planned ambush up in that area for three months. Well, I did that, but it was twenty twenty-three killed. And uh, eighty something wounded. Gee whiz! And uh, they they found nineteen that day, but then they went back out there the next day and found four more Marines. Yeah. Twenty three. And uh, so what the plan was to start evacuating the men, medevacking them out back to the rock pile, which was two to three miles. Mm-hmm. A little further to Blue, nine miles in between there. I know exactly the mileage, but anyway, they uh they loaded one bunch, load a bunch of wounded on us, one of us did head to Blue. Okay. Chopper be down there to pick them up. So we cut out, 
By the way, that uh, Yax, he jumped off when it first started. He jumped off and hooked his tow cables up to that six-by. It was what was holding up anybody from moving on. And Yax jumped out and did that and uh, pulled that six-by off the road and let some of them go. Yeah. Uh, and that, he won the Bronze Star from that. And the, uh, the man, the fault observer up under that truck, he won the Silver Star. That, that happened in just a few minutes, them two. Well, and they, you know, they, they help things. Yeah, yeah. And we got got loaded up. They, uh, well, while we were sitting there and it was real hot, and uh, before we started hauling out, and uh, everybody was thirsty in the tank, we looked and they shot our water cans. That fifth one had sprayed that and got our water and oil cans, and uh, I looked up the road there and seen a dead Marine laying there and I, w- I got off and went up there and got his water and uh, come back mm-hmm. give them boys a drink down in the turret. Yeah. George, he told me that I wouldn't stand around out there long. And uh, I said, all right. So I waited just a minute or not that long, but I started back to the driver's compartment from the loader's hatch and, and that 51 caliber opened up on me. And that's, that's when I first learned how to stay in that driver's compartment with just your eyes up over the yeah. hatch. But I wouldn't I wouldn't get no further down. I kept my head up. I never got down unless I was buttoning up. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we loaded. They loaded us up, and we cut out. And just as we were pulling off from the ambush side, I just looked to my right, and there come two helicopters coming in low and fast. They had the red plus on there with the white background. Uh, I knew they were medevac choppers, and I don't know for sure which 51 caliber got them. I believe it was one on the other side of the road. So he just shot them both down. I was close enough oh, to see the person, see the pilot's face when he, when he went down. Yeah. It just hit the ground and blew into flames. One right after the other. Yeah. I feel sure it killed everybody on there, but I've met, I've met somebody that was there, and they, I think it was Grunt, and they said they never didn't know about the choppers getting shot down, but hey, I know did two choppers got shot down. Well, went on Lou, Lou and Frog, they were they were shooting all the way on the right hand side of the road, secondary ambush. Somebody was shooting at us. They mm-hmm. were shooting back. We got on in there close to Lou and they started coming out the tank was, was on fire. The grunt back there was hollering. The tank was on fire and it wasn't running real good. Mm-hmm. It was kind of jugging. And uh, it, it kind of scared me. And uh, I didn't want to be in there if it's going to blow up. Yeah. So got in there and finally stopped right up there a little further. And, and uh, the gun tube was to the rear at the time, which made more room for them. You know that. Mm-hmm. You them you know, get the gun in the, in the back or the side, you got more room. For yeah. Yeah. So, had them, had them like that. The turret was, I mean, the gun tube was just about straight to the back. Okay. So, of course, we was, you know, that's what we were doing, shooting behind us, yeah. going down. But anyway, uh, I was getting out. I tried to climb out, and I could have got out, except, but they didn't know it. And I had my head to the right. You know how you come come out of there and kind of lean down, and, and they started traversing the turret. 
Oh. Burst it back to the left from the front, and what that did was, just luckily, it, it hit my intercom switch, pushed it back where I could talk to mm-hmm. the tank commander. Mm-hmm. And I just hollered, ho, ho, got my, my head in there. Yeah. Stopped, and uh, I was still pinned, but I, I told him I just ease back the other way, just real easy. He mm-hmm. did that, and I freed my head, my comm helmet, and uh, so I got back in the climbed back down there and waited turned the gun tube around and then I, I was still wanting out of that tank bad because I thought it was going to blow up Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I climbed out and that 30 cooked off about 4 or 5 rounds light got me climbing out yeah. and I, I didn't even know I'm sure I knew it would do that but with everything happening I guess I just looked, looked away without doing it yeah, but uh, you don't expect that. That's for sure. No, you don't expect to go off. You know, it's your own gun and all that. Yeah. But anyway, that was we we started back. They told us, and we unloaded, got them in the choppers, and got them out of there with two more choppers. Mm-hmm. Which they told us that when the other two were shot down, I told Lewis, and he hadn't even seen it, but he called and told them, and they said proceed to Kalu. We got two more on the way, so we uh we started back to the ambush site. Oh, and, uh, I, I, I was I was scared then yeah. because I just I don't know I got to riding along uh, thinking about you know what what done happened and all what all I done seen. Uh, I got kind of scared. Mm-hmm. I got real scared, really. I started shaking. Yeah. I started shaking all over. I mean, my knees and legs and everything was shaking, driving back. And uh, then when I got back there, they they wanted us to hook up to a, a truck and pull it back to the rock pile. And that things done settled down. Mm-hmm. Reinforcements done got there, I guess. And what, well, they hit us and they was gone, what yeah. it was. Yeah. They left 20 men in spider holes five foot off the road and that's mm. that's that's what did the damage that yeah. 51 caliber yeah the convoy up yeah and the, them 20 men in the spider hole they just jumped up and sprayed and all that dust them grunts didn't have a chance yeah well but we started pulling hooking them trucks up and uh i calmed down when i when i seen they were gonna get the pull from busted up vehicles and they started hooking one behind the other, up two or three or four. Come up there and asked me, you think you're going to be able to pull one more? And I told them, hey, y'all just keep hooking them up. If I get in the bind, I'll let you know. Yeah. I didn't even know they were back there. But I think Lewis said we pulled in seven. He thought we had about seven trucks. Low board, six by. Some of them didn't have the wheels on it. Yeah. And uh, pulled them through two rivers, you know. And uh, about five miles, something like that. Yeah. So that was that was a pretty good deal for me. You know, it just felt good. I uh, lived to do that. And uh, so come on out, come on out of the rock pile. And uh, we got there one time. It was, it was south southwest of uh, Carroll. I don't remember the name of the village, but a little old village down there. And uh, go down our ways and you come to a Y in the road and the grunts uncovered a big ammo and weapon stash right there in the 
I mean, just looking at it, you know, you wouldn't tell nothing was there, but they found it. I, I didn't know that, but. Was that the we mountain? Yard? Was that the mountain yard, uh, Bill? Nah, well, I don't know. I I don't really remember uh, if they were mountain yard or not. I didn't think they was all mountain yards because the kids looked just like regular kids. Yeah. I, yeah. I used to, that's where I started. Instead of throwing the sea rations to them, you know, you, after a while, when you first get over, you know, you feel sorry for them and you love them and all that. Yeah. Poor little kids. Then after a while, you know, a lot of people start throwing them at them. Yeah, yeah. I've done a little bit of that too, but I always loved them kids. I never did, never did try to hurt none of them, no kind of way. Yeah, yeah. You could throw a, any kind of can of sea rice, and it'd be fifteen or twenty of them. They'd just like a flock of chicken, just yeah. jump on it, yeah. and then they'd throw it up in the air, or throw it over their ways, and then they'd scatter over where it is. You could yeah. do a cigarette, lit cigarette like that, and they'd do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. They run right beside that tank. <laughs> I mean, right beside it. Yeah. I was hollering, you give me a chop, chop. You give me a chop, chop. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we we got back there one day, and, and uh, they had uh, Sergeant McConnell mm -hmm. from Brooklyn and uh, Max Hayes from Tennessee. And um, might have been, I, I forget for sure who the other, other person was, but... Mm -hmm. There was another tank sitting over there, and that guy, that gold miner from California, he had just got over there, and he saw that. Saw what I'm going to tell you what happened. I can't call it, they call him Sparrow. Sparrow, sure, yeah. Sparrow, he told me later, well, at the first reunion, no, at the Minneapolis reunion, when we went out there around that tank, yeah, I told him, and he he said that it happened just like I said, because he had just got over there. It right at Christmas time. Yeah. It might have been Christmas Eve, I don't know. But anyway, we were sitting, there ain't nothing happened. We'd been around there for a couple, three days. We all done got bored and said, hell, there ain't a goop within 100 miles around here. Let's get out and eat the seeds. So we got out and uh, we got on the left side like we were going forward. We got on the left side on the round. You know how you sit around there on the track by the road wheel and open up your seeds. We just lined up out there yeah. eating sea rations a few minutes. All of a sudden, the AK-47 opened up on us. Ooh. I don't know how they all got in. They run around the tank or what they done, but I headed for the driver's department. I had the furthest to go. Yeah. They, they concentrated on me, but when I turned and I made it around in front of the tank, and I, I started to jump up there and grab the light thing and, mm -hmm. and scoot on in there, and I was letting sparks flying and ricochets. They was hitting the tank all right there where I was trying to get. So I dug down and went up under the tank, and I went back to the second or third, I believe it was the second set of road wheels. Yeah. And and I got my back right up right up against them road wheels and balled up in a knot. I bet it wasn't no bigger than a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. But they, I shut my eyes, and they, they just raised the hell up on, under that tank. And uh, I said, no, if I'm going to die, I said, I'm going to open my eyes and see what it looked like. When I opened my eyes, I was looking to the other track over there, and uh, all up under there was dirt kicking up, dust. I see sparks where it's hitting the other side on mm -hmm. the end connectors or whatever. But And then all of a sudden, they fired the 90, and, uh, and they were firing the way them goose were shooting at us. Mm -hmm. That's what they were 
busted the cap on them with a the 90-millimeter. And, uh, and then I said, well, they got them, but I didn't know if it was more. And I, I was thinking that they're going to come around in the front and just spray up under that way, and I'd be goner. Mm. But I started to get out, and uh, I took my pistol and banged on the escape hatch. You know, I thought maybe they'd let me in there. Mm-hmm. And then they, all of a sudden the RPG team, which I didn't know the later, but come up on the other side, and uh, it was the launcher, man with the round. Well, man with the round took off running. They didn't have it loaded. Oh. And so they shot the man with the round, and he just disintegrated up in the trees. That's what uh, Sparrow was telling. And mm-hmm. happened. And somebody, he said, somebody come over there and said, man, what a way to light up a Christmas tree. <laughs> you know, right at Christmas time. Yeah. But then McConnell pulled his forty-five, and that guy with the launcher, he kind of run up there and just kind of laughed. I think they was on dope, some kind of dope. So yeah. He was crazy to do that. So McConnell just pulled his pistol out and killed him. Yeah. But I, w- I wouldn't have killed him if he hadn't laughed at me. He said he'd run up there and laugh. I guess he thought he'd say, I give up, you know, and we took him in, but... McConnell killed him with his pistol. Yeah. Went on back, and uh, then uh, another day uh, that I was out there, further on down toward Tulu or Quezon, somewhere out there, a little later on, and uh, they, we had been out there clearing a the field of fire for the grunge. Uh-huh. Somewhere they come up with a long cable. I bet that cable was, was an inch and a quarter or an inch and a half big. Yeah. They rigged it up or we did to our tow hook on the back back there in the other tank. We were about we were probably 300, 300 feet apart. And so we just eased around all the way around their mm-hmm. perimeter clear a field of fire for them. Yeah. So that worked out good and then Somehow another, I guess, thought we had a little slack. We just started riding around out there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, we wasn't familiar with the area. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, we come up on two water buffalo. And I know people from Texas, they know about uh, bulldogging. That's what I always call when they just get out there and make them run somewhere, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, so them water buffalo didn't act like they were scared of my tank. And that that didn't fit well with me. So I said, you will fear this tank. And I, I took off over, started running two of them. And uh, they were pretty fast. But when I when I got in there behind them, I, I, done, I done got the best on the speed. And I was, I was just close enough where if I wanted to, I could have bumped, bumped one of them, but I wouldn't do that. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, they split. Yeah. Well, the one Went to the right. I was closer to him, so I followed him. Uh-huh. I did a, I did a hard right, and then shift. I noticed we was going downhill a little bit, but I didn't think much of it. And I hit high gear, and just just as I hit high gear, I looked out there at that water buffalo, and he was flying through there, <laughs> going down. <laughs> oh, God. It, was about a, it was at least a sixty foot drop off there, going into the river. Oh. Everybody hollering, everybody hollering, woo, I can hear everybody hollering. And I ain't joking now, that's that's a close, probably close. I come to getting killed in Vietnam because we like to run off that bank. Oh, yeah. I hit 
I hit the brakes and I hit reverse at the same time, and I I didn't just hit it, you know, in full throttle or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But I could tell that wasn't gonna work. Yeah. But I, I had just tapped that tapped that accelerator easy a little bit and then a little more, and I talking to it, come on, baby, come on back, and it it nearly about stood up on the front road wheel mm-hmm. or two. You know how it does when it just yeah. didn't make it. Yeah.
I tried to decide going down that what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Whether I whether I should hit the bunker, go steer left, or but I had it planned if I hit that bunker and, and it come up, I'd be running right across the uh, armor plate of, of that other tank. Ooh. I, I thought that was a possibility I might have to do that, but yeah. when I hit that corner of that command bunker, mm-hmm. hey, it stopped like a daggum beer can in a pen cushion. Well, just just stopped it dead still. And then <laughs> they, I got a picture of it all standing around trying to write up the report. Mm-hmm. Luke, I was sitting there with his clipboard, and first thing he said, how did it happen and what that? And Dick Gary kicked his hat back a little bit and said, hell, he just told y'all, and while he told y'all, he didn't have no down brakes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they had to take it on in, but yeah. that was that was two of the scariest times I ever drove. You were okay but, in that, though? Sir? You didn't bang your head against uh, uh, any of the metal or the uh, the armor plating or anything? Oh, no. Never got. I got a Navy Achievement Medal with a Combat V. Oh, wow. But I never found out what it was for. It might have been for that. That's some good driving, I got to tell you. That's what now? I say, that sounded like some good driving, given that no yeah. brakes and going downhill. Well, yeah. I, I should have been awarded something for that. that uh, bringing that tank to a stop yeah i mean that that took some skill and, and courage i had time to jump out you know yep that but worked. i didn't yeah. Yeah. and uh, anyway so that was that and uh trying to think of something else that happened well we did on april april the ninth i believe it was we uh i drove the lead tank when uh operation uh opening up nine to I can't remember the name of it now. It's in the record. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, <clears throat> the night before that, we spent it up on OP Sioux. The reason I know that our uh, lead tank starting that operation, because uh, the night before, that's what it was. It, it was the 5th of April, because the 4th of April, we was up on OP Sioux, and spent the night, me and Lynn Young and uh, McConnell and Reese. That's one, two, three, and me. That's four of us. Yeah. Yeah, we spent the night up there. Reese was new. And uh, we had heard that they shot and killed Martin Luther King that day. Oh, wow. We was up there that night, and we was going crazy up there. And Reese, we put him on the gun tube, and we had a dug-in slot there up about to the about to the fenders and we was riding him around and around you know and he got a little bit carried away and we come around the back and kind of scrubbed him a little bit on the ground so we we dogged that off didn't do that no more but mm-hmm. but the next morning is when we we took off to reopen nine mm-hmm. to evacuate caisson yeah that's that was the beginning of that operation up I don't know what the name of it is, but anyway, that was it. And uh, so that day, uh, on the way to Kalu, no no traffic at all had been on that since around, uh, well, the middle of January, about the middle of January. So this was April. Mm-hmm. Everything was shut down. And uh, 
until the grass had grown up, you couldn't even see a road. Mm-hmm. But the engineers, they uh, they walked ahead of me, and uh, they had uh, two men with them brooms sweeping. Mm-hmm. They had about they had about six men, I believe. Somebody had to be taking pictures, because there's a picture out there that, uh, of that, and uh, I think it's in that book. Marine Corps tank battle in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, another guy told me that was him and his tank. But I can look at that picture and it's just like no way that I wasn't right there because I recognized every one of them men, not by their name, but by what they looked like, what they wore, and what they were doing. Yeah. yeah. Wearing glasses, one behind me and the one standing right there in front of me, you know, watching the back. I went all the way from the rock pile to flew nine miles of walking. I know, you know, that I'm driving that tank. Mm-hmm. But the picture, I can't really say that it's me, but it looked like me. But anyway, mm-hmm. it may be somebody else. But the reason I know that I was there because they dug up a, a 70 or 60 or 70 pound shape charge of an old artillery round that the goose had made a mine out of, yeah. and two Claymore mines. And the deal was to hit the mine and do that major damage to the left side of the track. Yeah. And it was along there where the, the land, the bank to our left was about even with the fenders, you know. Mm-hmm. So they figured we, we hit something, we'd get off and just step over and try and look and see how bad it was, like you had a blowout on a pickup or something. Mm-hmm. First thing you do is get out and go look and see how it looks. Yeah. Well, they had piano wire or whatever over and they had two claymore set to get us when we did that. Jeez. But them engineers found it all and took care of it. Good. I don't remember what they put or dug it up and dismantled it or what, but yeah. I do know that they dug it up yeah. and they found it. Wow. And uh, you don't forget something like that. No, you know. no, I don't think so. Oh, you were there. When I tell you, back up is a big man right here. You couldn't run over. You don't forget that. Yeah. How many mines yeah. do you figure they dug up from? I mean, th- three months is a long time for them to plant mines. Is what now? I say three months is a long time for the gooks to have planted mines yeah, along man. that road. Yeah, they had plenty of time. Yeah. But I never, I hit one mine over there, three. Uh-huh. And it, I think it was an anti-personnel mine. Oh, okay. I got a picture of that, and Big Kerry's in it. He's just fixing to climb down, and I'd already got down, yeah. and Lieutenant Lula, and I was I was looking down the track to see, see if anything. Mm-hmm. That's the only mine. I didn't know that, but Big Kerry told me, said, yeah, you hit one over there. Yeah. But anyway, and, uh, yeah, and we went to, uh, we went to Quezon on the 4th of July. Oh, okay. I was on the, we reopened the road. From the rock pile to Quezon. And the reason I know because I spent the night at the rock pile is because and, uh, they already told us that we know it's the 4th of July, 12 o'clock. Hmm. And we've been surrounded here for months and we're not going to waste any ammunition so they don't want to see it. Yeah. But when 12, 12 o'clock came, <laughs> uh, you could see all the way to the diagram and know I know about it. <laughs> they had so much diagram stuff lit up, you know, and yeah. it lasted a long time, too. I don't know how much they wasted, but 
<laughs> well, we didn't do nothing, you know, no illumination, but them Grunt, yeah. they had a party. So the next day, we we took off to uh, take the road back, open up mainly from Kalu, but mm-hmm. we was at the rock pile when we left. Yeah. And I was driving for Sergeant Kent Baldwin. Had, uh, my normal tank commander was a sergeant from Texas mm-hmm. named uh, Nippin. Started with a K. K-N-I-F-F-I-N, I believe it was. Oh, okay. You know him? You know, I think so. I think I, I recognize. I mean, I recognize the way you spelled his name. Yeah, he was a little. He was a little man. He wasn't very big, but he, he was a good tank commander. I had him and uh, Lynn Young was on there with me. I'm thinking that was two five Bravo two five second battalion. Oh, okay. Uh, we had Baldwin, Niffin, me, and Lynn Young. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that's who was on the tank. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we first took off down there in a little ways, we got pinned down by a sniper. And the sniper had shot a, shot a Marine down at Walking Point up there, and and, uh, and they couldn't find out where he, where he was at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize it, but we was, we was back a little ways with a tank. And uh, there was another tank with us. Now, that might have been Kellogg. Mm-hmm. But anyway, okay. the... Uh, we was, we was on the back of the tank back there just kind of waiting and milling around. I had my comm helmet back there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Baldwin called over there and said, get the, what they were doing. They was That grunt they had down, his man went up there to help him and shot him down. And then he was taking his time and shooting the finger off of this one and ear off of that one. Gee. You know how they do. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was going on. And Baldwin hollered, get that tank up here. So when Niffin hollered, let's go, I, I jumped in the driving part, but I left my comm helmet back there on the back of my armor plate. Okay. And, uh, well, about that time, uh, I know I know it sounded like, you know, maybe I was chicken shit. But no, I wasn't chicken shit. No, no, I, no, no, no. Uh-uh. But you know that being up on that tank just a few weeks before then, uh-huh. when, when that M60 cut out, hey, that to me was, was just like they were shooting at us, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it all happened so fast. And uh, there I was in the driver's department and nipping. I didn't really know for sure where I had left them. But I was in the driver's department. And when that shooting started, I didn't want to jump out right, right that second. Yeah. And he just jumped out of the tank commander. Of course, he had to move that tank, you know. He's a good man, but he got my helmet and come up there and handed it to me like, and like here, you know, that's what he said, here. <laughs> well, that's fine. He was a brave man, you know. Yeah. But he he was a good man, but I was too, you know. But Absolutely. I, I wasn't putting down in, in the 30, 30 seconds or a minute, you know, ain't gonna make that much difference. And, uh, well, at least it wasn't for me, not right then. I, I was still, I was still suffering from that background. How many of them AK-47s had me up under that tank? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's what I thought was happening. And, and uh, we moved on up there, and I guess we got the machine gun. I meant the uh, sniper. Mm-hmm. And uh, we took the road. We didn't have a whole lot of trouble after that, getting on the caisson, opening up the road. And we were supposed to pull everything out of caisson. This was... This was July morning or July the 5th of 1968. Mm-hmm. And we had heard back at the rock pile 
a while back before then, you know, they're going to dismantle the case on. Yeah. yeah. We didn't know why. But they said, we heard that there was, there was so many rats and all out there. It was blue bonnet plague out there. Oh, wow. That's what that's what Max Hayes and some of us were talking about. So I didn't know why we were going to do it, but I do know just a little before then when they overrun the Green Beret camp out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, Long Bay. Long Bay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had six, I think it was six uh, North Vietnamese tanks. Mm-hmm. And they knocked out two or three of them and ended up one of them sitting on the command bunker up there. And they killed a bunch of them Green Berets, but but I don't know, you know. Yeah, I, re- I read a story about, about we that. We wasn't out there when somebody told me about it. I was thinking Long Bay. I thought that was down around Saigon. But hey, it wasn't uh, 35 miles down the road from where we were. Yeah, yeah. So they were coming down nine when they came, which I didn't know that then, but. I was ready for them. Yeah. They would have never made it past the rock pile. They'd have come down there with them tanks. Yeah. They'd come around that daggum corner. They'd have been dead meat. I don't care if they all come around at the same time. Yeah. But anyway, we uh, we come along and, and uh, I don't know I'm about to run out of daggum thing to say right this minute. Let me look right here. Yeah, made some notes. Let me, let me add that, that because I read about that uh, from uh, one of the, I think he was a captain out there, and I think he said they were T-74s or something. They were kind of a lightweight tank. And, yeah. And they were. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. And, and yeah, they were, I mean, they, they were out, outgunned, outnumbered. Out, I mean, it was just a. They, oh, it was. Yeah. Go they ahead. Oh. Yeah. Well, the grunts, the uh, Green Berets, they knocked out one or two of them with a, with a uh, rocket, not a rocket launcher, but a law. A law, what they, yeah. Knocked one or two of them out with a law. Yeah. And then later, of course, they called in airstrikes and, and uh, got some of them tanks, too, I believe. But, yeah. but what I'm thinking now is uh, about them two tanks, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, you know I told you another date that I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Was fifteenth uh, of February. Yeah. Well, the fourteenth of February, mm-hmm. which is Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, Valentine's Day. I was. I was bringing up the rear of a long convoy, and it was it was headed for uh, Quezon. Mm-hmm. Okay, and little did I know that there was another big, large convoy, both of them, mm-hmm. compared to what normally comes through there. Yeah. And we had signs on both both ends, uh, over four signs, or over eight, whatever, says, 50-meter interval. When you bunch up, we get rockets, mm-hmm. because we did. All right, when we come in, I was probably... I was probably 300 yards. You know, when you come into that rock pile, you go around a kind of a, a turn or two, and you're not really in the rock pile yet. You can't see nothing until you pull in there. Right. Uh, but anyway, I could tell that they was under severe uh, artillery and rocket attack. We could tell that from back there where we were sitting. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of them trucks, you know, and... They think they own the road and all, but I, I had a technique that I used in my driving over there that's 
once I found out that that big piece of channel iron running down the side of that six by. Yeah. All right, that and the low boy too. They mm-hmm. line up just about on the height. They're just about even with the center of that sprocket on that tank. Oh, okay. So I I would go along. I, I learned how to do it with just about drivers that wouldn't get over and gonna try to crowd that tank. Uh-huh. If wasn't nobody on that truck, I'd wait till just judge the time till I knew that sprocket was about middle ways of that six by, and I would just do a a quick turn and throw that sprocket over there and knock that truck over about two or three feet. Oh, gee. I did that several times. Yeah. This time on the 14th of February when I come in there, I basically did that to several trucks. I bogarded my way in there yeah. to the rock uh, to see what was happening. Yeah. And I didn't like what I seen when I come in there. And uh, Corporal McGee M-C-G-H-E-E, from the state of Washington, was my tank commander. We were on Bravo 25 then. Mm-hmm. And uh, Max Hayes was on there with us. And I, I can't remember the other guy. It might have been Reese. But anyway, we, uh, no, it wasn't Reese. It was Walter okay. Raul from okay. uh, Long Island, New York. Spelled his name R-A-U-L. We've never found him. But he was a new guy. And uh, all the new guys, when they come in, Lieutenant Lula, I sent them up there on whichever tank I was on. I don't know what the deal was, but I guess they thought I had been in for two and a half years and was a tough guy or something. I broke everybody in. Yeah. That's the way they did it. And, uh... And Ben, he was—he looked like a mama's boy to me. The big old boy looked like Hoss Cartwright that I had seen at the L.A. airport on the way over there, uh-huh. getting out of the cab. Oh wow! And dressed just like he does on there. Damn, that's Hoss down there. <laughs> well, this boy, old uh, Raul—that's what he said. They don't pronounce the L. It's called Raul. Oh, okay. And uh, anyway, I, I was pretty rough on him breaking him in putting around in there and taking it out and really all that, you know, and recharging the third and cleaning the weapon. But he was with us. And uh, so I told uh, I told McGee when we come in there, where we stopped were in the highest place in the rock pile before you go down the hill a little bit to go around the curve. Yeah. But where we were sitting, we could look out there like Almost like you're going at a straight shot towards Quezon, but it was three to five miles is what we figured. Uh-huh. And we've seen the muzzle flashes or the blast or whatever of two weapons that were reaping havoc on the rock pile. I mean, big time. Yeah. If not more than those two, but those two were firing, and we seen them. And I told McGee, I said, we need to return fire. And I'm sitting there in that driver's compartment. I know the fuel dump had done been hit, and the Jeez. ammo dump, the mortar was going off, and there was people getting killed. All the traffic on the road was just a uh, traffic jam. Nobody in the truck. Yeah. They were in the hole somewhere yeah. trying to live. And they were all the way to the bridge like that, so ain't no way to go that way. But McGee said, we can't shoot over our own troops' head. And I said, well, I know that, but we could have shot from where we were. Yeah. But, hey, I 
I said, well, what we need to do then is go down there and cross that bridge and go to them. Go out there where we can shoot. They were too far to shoot from where we were. Yeah. We could have indirect fire, but we couldn't direct fire. Yeah. Anyway, he was trying to call Lula, get the lieutenant on the air, and I guess get permission to do what we was wanting to do. And he couldn't get him. He, he tried a couple, three times, and I finally told him, I said, hey, we don't need the lieutenant. That ain't all I said, but you know what I said. <laughs> yeah. uh, we don't need the lieutenant, which I knew he was in a bunker somewhere, and I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think he's going to run out there and look around. <laughs> but anyway, he told me, he said, all right, Wally, this is really what he's in over the intercom. He said, you go ahead and take over as tank commander, and I'll gun. And he was a real good gunner. And he's a good tank commander, too, but he didn't have the guts to move, and I did. Yeah. I told him, I said, well, I, I shoot back. I said, we need to go to him. Yeah. And he said, all right, go ahead. When I He said that, uh, I'll gun. He said, go ahead and make you move. But we were sitting off the road just a little bit, and there was a steep bank right there. Mm -hmm. But I could I could do it. I just done a neutral steer to the right and dove off that bank mm -hmm. and coming around to the right. Way right of that uh, mess tent down there. Mm -hmm. Come around, you know, around the tents and the bunkers and all, making my way. Well, like I said, there were two positions. All right, after we got in the move, I started noticing they were shooting down there around the bridge. Well, wasn't nobody moving except our tank was the only thing moving. Well, mm -hmm. when they seen me coming, them soldiers and Marines and them truck drivers, they knew what was happening. They knew I was going out there, so they, they braved the incoming and got in there and moved enough of them trucks out of the way for me to get up on the road when I got down there. Oh, okay. When I when I started I started counting, and I don't know how many was in front of me, but I'm just thinking about the ones that was behind me. Oh. I knew they were shooting at me, but I was moving, and I counted either six or eight rounds that hit behind me on the way down there. Oh, wow. I come up on the road, did a hard right, and I was about maybe 15 feet from the bridge. Uh, winding up in low gear is what I was doing, and a round went off right in front, right in our face. Me and McGee both was, was up out of the hatches. Well, and that round hit right in the row and took, took about a third of the row a little off the center, uh -huh. right at the bridge. It wasn't, it wasn't seven seven feet from the bridge wow. okay yeah all right i didn't stop and i went to death we're still going and they were dirt clouds falling big as volleyball Jeez. on the tank and around it i steered around that hole because i couldn't i didn't want to hit that i was scared i'd throw a track and mess up mm -hmm. but i steered around it to center up on that hole which put me off the road and kind of down the bank a little bit. Yeah. And McGee, he knew what I was facing to do, and he hollered, you never make that, Wally, you never make that. <laughs> hey, I'd done eyeballed the tree. Yeah. I knew that. Uh, yeah. And besides that, if that rocket didn't just blew up and didn't kill us, that's what I call an indirect hit. Yeah. You know, it's right in, right in your face, right there in front of the bag on yeah. the bank. Yeah draw the oxygen out of the tank for a minute. Yeah. But anyway, I, I centered up on that hole and I steered around it and then I 
did a hard right and cut back up. So I was going on the bridge on a 45 right at it. And I come down. I had to come down a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And when I did, I steered to the left and then put it in the low range and went on. And we run out there about, I think we run out there about two or three miles. And we're running over them where we knew we were, well, they were behind them hills to anybody else that was looking. Yeah. But where we was at, we pulled off, we could see. Yeah. And that's the only way we spotted them. And there nobody down in there could tell where they was over the hill. But anyway, we picked up a good firing position out there, and, and we pumped about 15 rounds of HE out there, and they was about a 1,000 meters apart, them two positions. And we heat them up. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't fire no more at the rock pile. <laughs> and about that time, Lula come over the air, and said, Wallace, where you? I said, need some hotel echo. And he said, got some on the way to you. And just a few minutes of six by couple of men out there with more ammo. Yeah. We reloaded and they moved out of the way and then we pumped a few more rounds in each position. Yeah. And then we headed back to the rock pile. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of them had done left by then, but all of them that was there, when we come in, <laughs> there was a lot of fist pumping and yelling, you know. Yeah. We, they know we done kicked some ass, you know. We stopped that rocket attack. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the next day, Lieutenant goes down there to the Colonel for his critique. You know, every morning he'd go down there. One morning, not too long before then, every morning at daylight, or just a little up there on that high hill, looking down on the whole camp, I'd get up there and do that. Good morning, Vietnam, or Camp Rockstar. <laughs> I'm grunts down there in the bottom. Of oh, you crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> they all, hey, they liked it. Yeah. That colonel did too, but one time Lula come back up and said, well, the colonel want to know who that was. <laughs> <laughs> Hollering that good morning Vietnam every damn morning. And the lieutenant said, oh, that's Wally. That's my driver. <laughs> he said, well, he said, that son of a bitch wakes me up every morning. <laughs> that tickled me but anyway when he went down there after that, that big rocket attack on Valentine's Day Lula come back up there the next morning and said well the colonel said that everybody was glad to see that tank get on, get in on the action and they believe he helped stop that rocket attack and to me now Frank I'm going to tell you yeah. uh I served with some good Marines over there, some good tankers and grunts and all. But you ever heard the old saying, that, in other words, you got to back on, instead of a pat on the back, you got a slap on the wrist. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's how I felt about that, what he said about that. I mean, I, I wasn't on no, we didn't care about medals over there, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You always said, when you get back to the world, when you get back to California, don't make no difference how many medals you got. The uh, cup of dime gonna cost, cup of coffee gonna cost you a dime just like everybody else. Yep, yep. That's, that's the way we felt, you know. I turned down two or three Purple Heart for just minor things, you know. Yeah. I I wasn't on no medal search, yeah. and I'm not on one now. But I I did I did two or three things over there. I I think I raised a little something. Yeah. 
Well, this might and, be a good place to to hold on for until we get to uh, next week, that part two. Okay. And um, uh, let me just say that for our listeners in particular, um, I spent full 13 months in there. I saw a lot of drivers. And what you've described today was some fantastic driving, absolutely fantastic. And I understand why Blues has has the most reverence for you that that he does so well, i've got i've got just as much for him as he has for me yeah. and, and let me say there's you know what you've described there's i never saw anybody that was chicken shit you know they were careful sometimes but that was yeah. you know yeah you know, sometimes you know it takes you it takes you a minute or two to realize what you got to do and what you're going to yeah sometimes sometimes you want do something for right that very second you can't do it yeah exactly you, you got to figure it out first of all before you i mean you know sometimes you just get scared yeah oh yeah yeah sometimes you ain't scared yeah we'll come into that next week yeah that yeah yeah i was yeah i agree with you uh you know it's it's if you're not scared <laughs> you're not paying attention to the situation so <laughs> you know um I want to. I want to thank you for now. Uh, we will talk again, but um, this was this was terrific. Um, I, I don't. Uh, I, I got there in uh, June of '68, so I was kind of on your heels. Uh, You're right in the peak of it, though. Yeah, yeah, um, but but um, uh, and and what what you said. This is you know to me. This is terrific. What you have described is what I heard all along in terms of, of what we did over there. And this is, this is a wonderful conversation. I, I genuinely appreciate sharing your, your sharing. And uh, I know you've got some more to, to go through. So um, I want to, again, I want to thank you. Uh, you want to say anything just to wrap up for today? Well, I'd just like to thank you for getting, getting up with me to do this. I, I've been wanting to tell stores and i have told some but uh i had sometimes you know the every the setting makes a difference you know sure. when you're at that reunion just go in a room and two or three of you sitting there and one of them patting on the table and this and that but yeah i appreciate you tree Semper five brother Semper five we'll talk with you next week some stood through for the red white and blue and some had to fall If you ever think of me, think of all your liberties and recall. Some gave all. And if you ever think of me, think of all your liberties and recall. Yes, recall Some live on Some live on